0: This is a Deco Podcast. Certainly, beers existed. Those blinded by hops. Those consumed with fruit flavors. But here, they do not exist. Only West Coast and East Coast here. For here, the juiciest rule. Today's episode Garu, Mark of the Wolves. Hello and welcome back to Dukin with the Duke. Welcome to season two, everybody. You are listening to the next episode of this Digo mini series, and I am your host, Dustin the Duke, and we are playing Garu Mark of the Wolves. But first, we have beer. Alright, they poured this thing out. It's a little foamy, it should be fine. Uh but pretty excited. We have ourselves a TV Wolf India Pale Ale. This one Is definitely important to me uh, for multiple reasons, and we'll get into it, but the game that we're discussing is Mark of the Wolves, and this one has wolf in the name, so I figured this was probably the best one uh, out there. The problem is this beer no longer exists, technically. Um, The beer is no longer production because the brewery no longer exists. Uh, They have a few stacks of these at the Total Wine in Carmel, so I'm assuming you could still get it. Uh, But it's very limited and I'm not sure when this episode is technically coming out. So uh, it might be gone by the time uh, it does. Um, And then technically, like when this brewery was still a thing, this was my favorite beer from them. So just giving you a heads up, how I'm just going to rave about this. Um, So it is, as I said, the TV Wolf IPA uh, from Black Acre Brewing Company, RIP. Uh, 6.5% ABV and it has 60 IBUs. Uh, and sixty on the geek rating scale is the MMO level cap. Uh, normally, if you're like a starter MMO game, uh, your level cap is sixty, and so uh, fitting to have that as your uh, as your geek IBU. Uh, before I get into this, this had uh, seventy two, sorry, twenty seven hundred ratings, and gave it a, a three seventy five. If you're familiar with the show, you'll know that we're going to talk about the can. So the can is it feels like just a sticker on an aluminum can. So you have just your basic label that says Black Acre Brewing Company. And then on the front, you have your, like, local. It's a TV screen with the wolf in front of it howling at the TV screen. And you have a little bird where the Black Acre normally hangs out. And then on the front, it says, A generous melody of citrus hops makes for a crisp, clean, and balanced everyday IPA with a smooth, decisive finish and then also on tap it says a dry hopped american ipa packed with citrus and tropical fruit flavors. So yeah, this if you've ever seen uh if you've ever seen a black acre can, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh but I do notice that the can says 50 ibus instead of 60. So that's just that's insane. I trust cans more than I trust on tap unfortunately, which means that the uh the geek reference is wrong, and it should be 50, which is the uh, 50 mile per hour, which is speed in the movie Speed. We like Keanu around here. So, yeah. Uh, other than the logo, the wolf in the front, the rest of the can is just like your standard stock Black Acre can, so we can move on from there. All right. The the color of the beer is going to be your stereotypical IPA uh, beer. Uh, it has got an orange hue to it in my light with a little bit of yellow around the sides. Uh, That's probably the best that I can describe it. Um, So let's just go ahead uh, and see what the Geek Scale reference has for this color. Uh, On the can, it does tell you that it's got a 6.8 SRM, uh, which is Star Fox Fur. And so I think I can agree with that. I think I would go as low as like Tails Tails, if I'm being honest uh that seems uh, pretty on par uh so we'll just i guess we'll just stick to the six uh star fox because it could be just based on what I see uh in this room so what do we have on the nose? uh we have tropical fruits on the nose, a little bit of like hoppiness to it uh you could definitely taste or you definitely smell the tropical fruit flavors, a little citrusy, a lot of like Uh, papaya smell, maybe some like pineapple smell, but a lot of like citrusy fruits, tropical ones. Best, the best I can do there. Uh, Hopefully this is good on the tongue as well. It's uh, it's got a little bit of a bite to it, Uh, but you could taste all of those fruit flavors and definitely the citrusy. This has a little bit of like a grapefruit flavor, Uh, a lot of like pineapple flavor. Anything you could think of like uh tropically I'm getting so I think that's a that's pretty much on the nose uh when it comes to that all right um it's got like a great upfront flavor it kind of tapers off at the back end though there's not much there um and then on TV Wolf on the untapped I have five friends check this in including myself we have Doug E375 he said tastes pretty straightforward like an APA uh Susan Gave this one a 4. Nothing better than a cold beer on a hot day. I agree. Susan had it again at a 4. Uh, Bill Krusinger had a 4.5. Aaron B. Is that pineapple? I think so, buddy. He gave it a 4. Saf had this. And he said it was very sweet and delicious. And he gave it a 4. Uh, and then I gave it a 3.75. I took this one in 2019. Uh, Could have just been like the batch. But I think I might increase the score on this one. It is definitely, uh, definitely much better uh, this time around. So I'm just going to go ahead and just like mark that up to a four. Thank you very much. All right, that is checked in and it is, uh, we're good to go. I'm going to go ahead and pour the rest of the beer, stage a picture for the episode. uh, And then we're off to the races. All right. All right, so today's game is Garu Mark of the Wolves. It was released in 1999 as a fighting game, obviously, produced by SNK, originally for the Neo Geo system, and then it was released as Final Fury Mark of the Wolves for the Dreamcast in 2001. It is the eighth game in the Final Fury series. It is also the last game in the series. When I picked this one, uh, I picked it for the name. And because it said Garu, I uh, I didn't know that it was Final Fury. Uh, we're gonna have a Final Fury episode coming in a little bit later. Uh, because I tried to do because there's a okay, so there's a lot of arcade games out there, and I didn't want to just like load up with everybody's favorite, you know, Final Furies or Art of Fightings or you know things like that. And so I wanted to pick unique games. Uh, so this one is a little bit of a surprise to me, like when I dug deeper into it after playing it, there's actually a, a like a Fatal Fury game. Now, had I played Fatal Fury prior, I might have actually known <laughs> like some of the characters that are in this. It, It's just it. I don't know. It just makes sense. Like having some, you know, the children of a couple of these guys from you know, Fatal Fury now, like in this game. So that's on me for not, you know, looking too far into it. Uh, but the name alone is just perfect. Uh, being my last name, being Wolf, the mark of the wolves. I mean, come on. That's, I mean, uh, it's real easy. <laughs> it's a real easy leap, if I'll tell you what. All right. A little bit about the game. Uh, the plot, technically, there's not a whole lot here. It's just your uh, basic fighter. Uh, Ten years after crime lord Geese Howard's death, the city of Southtown has become more peaceful, leading it to be known as the second Southtown in reference to having formerly been corrupted by Geese. That's even funnier. <laughs> Place corrupted by geese. <laughs> oh, man. A new fighting tournament called King of Fighters Maximum Mayhem starts in the area. Several characters related with the fighters from the previous King of Fighters tournament participate in it. So, the first Fatal Fury game is called King of Fighters. And so, when we go through some of these characters, we'll be able to tell. Uh, So the first character that you could choose from is Rock Howard. Rock is the son of Geese Howard and the protege of Terry Bogard, as well as these new lead characters in Garu. His fighting styles combine techniques from both Terry and Geese, giving him an edge on both offense and defense. He wears a red and white jacket with a white star on the back, similar to Terry's classic vest. Terry Bogard. The main hero from the previous Fatal Fury games, and the only returning fighter in Garu. In Garu, Terry has a new look with long blonde ponytails trimmed, and he has an exchanged his trademark red vest and hat and sneakers for a brown bomber jacket and work boots. Terry has a new desperation move, the Buster Wolf. However, he no longer uses his trademark move, the Rising Tackle. Which is instead now used by Rock. Kevin Ryan. Kevin is a high spirited police officer of Second Southtown. He is also a friend to both Terry and Rock. He fights using Sambo, similar to his distant relative Blue Mary, although much of his fighting style revolves more around direct strikes than grappling. He is cheered on during fights by his friend's son, Marky. And Garu. He seeks revenge for the death of his partner, who was murdered by Freeman. What? Whoa. Got some, some issues between players. B. a B. A is an American female pirate who is looking for treasure in Second Town. Her fighting style involves wind-like projectiles that hit multiple times and swooping around intended to catch opponents with suddenly changing directions. That sounds kind of fun. Uh, we have Kim Dong Hwan. Delinucci, Dong Hwan, uh, was taught Taekwondo by his father Kim Kap Hwan, using techniques infused with fighting, and has a friendly rivalry with his younger brother Kim. Uh, with his younger brother Kim Jae Hoon, um, he is more of a show-off and slacker than his brother, relying more on aerial attacks and juggles, i.e. Attacks that strike the opponents in the air uncontrollably. He believes he is a genius in the story, and he doesn't need to study diligently in order to master Taekwondo, but his father and brother see it differently. I think I played him uh, a little bit uh, when I was playing through the story mode to, to see you know, how the gameplay was. Next character is Kim Jae-hoon. hoon was taught Taekwondo by his father, Kim kap using techniques infused with fire and is the brother of Don Juan. Jehun admires his father, so he fights more like him than Dong Juan does. With a combination of high and low attacks with plenty of power behind them, like his father, he has a strong sense of justice and chivalry, but unlike his brother, he establishes his strength through constant practice. So if I would have picked him instead of his brother, maybe I would have gone a little bit further in the tournament. That's on me. Definitely on me. All right. Next one is Gato. Uh, Gato is a powerful fighter, always in search of a stronger opponents. He is the older brother of Hataru Futaba, but hotly denies this. His actual background and motivations aside from these are unknown. Uh, Hotora Fatuba. Hotora is a the younger sister of Gato. She searches for her brother. She is generally very polite and charming. Is accompanied by her pet s- sable uh Itoukatsu. Her stage is Belfrey where a flock of birds removes her cloak. That's pretty cool. Next on the list is Hokutamaru, is a ninja who trained under Andy Bogard who was in the first game. He is extremely fast and crafty with many moves that are among the fastest in the game, making him nearly unpredictable opponent to deal with. His stage is a traffic accident that has been, that he caused as he is unfamiliar with the urban ways due to his age and training. Akuto Moru carries a sword on his back, but he seldom draws it, except during two special moves. Cashnude Butt. I picked this character first when I was playing, because of his name. Uh, Butt is a Brazilian, Kayo style karate expert who trained under Ryu uh, Sakazuki. He is named... Marco Rodriguez in Japan, but was renamed in the US version, possibly to avoid confusion with mixed martial artist Rico Rodriguez. He leads a somewhat astier life in a wooded area on the outskirts of town and fights using powerful deliberate attacks. Just like Ryu, he has several famous moves from fight art of fighting with some of his own derivatives. Tizak is a famous Mexican pro wrestler in the second South town and is seen as a hero in the eyes of the children. Somewhat disillusioned, he enters a tournament in order to rekindle his own interest in fighting. His name is in the Japanese version of the game, the Griffin mask. I picked him as well. He was very slow for me. I couldn't really figure out his moves. It's almost like you had to anticipate a movement for him. I just it wasn't happening for me so I just kind of like tapped out and had to restart. Uh next up is Freeman. Freeman is the real name or Freeman is an unknown name. He is a mysterious English serial killer that fights using slashing movements with his hands as if they're claws. Little is known about him except that he killed the partner of Kevin Ryan. Many of Freeman's special techniques are references to heavy metal bands, such as Nightmare, Morbid Angel, Overkill, and Vision of Disorder. All right, so we have a couple bosses and a couple hidden fighters, uh, just two of them, actually. Uh, Grant. Uh, Grant's real name is Abel Cameron. He's a master of the dark style known as Ankuku Karate. He is Kane R. Heinlein's closest friend and personal bodyguard. And then we have Kane R. Heinlein, Kane is the mysterious host of the South Town's King of Fighters Maximum Mayhem tournament, being the younger brother of Marie Heinlein, who is Geese's uh, deceased wife and thus Rock Howard's mother. So technically, he is Rock's uncle. All right. Now that we have the, the characters out of the way, uh, this game was interesting to me. Um, definitely like the first of... These fighting games for the Neo Geo, uh, for that I have on the list. Not the first one that came from the Neo Geo. Um, this this one definitely read Street Fighter to me. Uh, when I was just playing it, the way that the, the looked up at the top, the health bar, just everything that you're familiar with Street Fighter, probably Mortal Kombat. Right? This came out in tw- uh, 2000 or 1999, so it was definitely after all those games. It's also the last one in the list. Uh, which probably just falls in the same, you know, fighting style as all those other Fatal Fury games. Uh, but it was pretty easy to pick up. Um, for being a Neo Geo where it relies on arcade controls, uh, the buttons mapped up on my controller pretty uh, pretty well. Uh, I just had to, you know, figure out which button was the high kick, low kick, uh, high punch, low punch type of thing. Uh, but after I got that, it was uh, pretty good. I couldn't really figure out combos. I had a couple of them a few times, like a two or three hit. There's one I did like a five hit for, I don't know, button mashing a little bit. I wasn't sure how I did it. And I think I got halfway through like the third or fourth challenge before I had to call it quits on every single character that I played uh, because I couldn't figure out how to do the ultimate move. Um, once I figured out the ultimate move, I probably would have gone a little bit further, but I, I don't know. I just still didn't really have time to, I don't know, Google out how to do combos and all that stuff. Uh, with that being said, I, I felt like it um, it was pretty playable without knowing all those things. And I'm sure if I played two-player mode uh, that, I you know, like you can play your friends no problem without knowing how to do all those things. But you, I think you would have like a clear advantage... Over them, if you did know how to do the combos or know how to do your your ultimate move, um, with that being said, there's a lot of characters that I did try that were like really fast, and it it was clearly an advantage and then there was a few that were just absolutely really slow and a kind of felt like a disadvantage, but when I played people or I played these people in the tournament. They were pretty good at reactionary, like planned, timed moves that didn't matter. Like, I got my ass kicked when I played butt. Or, no pun intended, I got my butt kicked. Uh, I tried Tazak. It just, he almost reminded me of, like, Ganon from, like, the one of the earlier uh, Melees, I think, uh, Super Smash Brothers, where if you connected, you were good, but, I mean, you could just get beat by it. Pretty much everyone was much faster than you. Um, so maybe Tizak is actually powerful. I just, I didn't know. One thing to note while playing this game, uh, it got progressively harder even after like the second round. Like the first round was like cake. I was like, oh yeah, this is absolutely supposed to be the easiest. Um and then there's it's supposed to like ramp up but in this game it just it ramped there was not even it was not even a slow progression it just jumped up like extreme difficulty and by like round three like I was just sweating trying to figure it out I was like there's no way there's no way that I can figure this out uh but because I had um Kim Dong Hwan a pretty fast fighter I was able to you know sneak in a couple extra hits uh to kind of like seal the deal but then round four I just got absolutely destroyed so i think like i said earlier if i had the the specials down the the combos down i think it would have been a little bit better of a situation so that's that's my feel that's my take Um, this game definitely has its pluses i definitely like some of the fighters and the, the backstories on these but really there's no difference between these or any of the other fighting games that I could really honestly see. I mean, I got like major Street Fighter vibes just by turning this game on. So it's like, eh, if you want to play a fighter game and you have this, go ahead. If you don't have it, play Street Fighter or something. That would be my take. Uh, and then like uh, a couple of the fighter games of the last season, uh, we're going to end on a medley of their fighting music or their intro music or anything that has to do with the fighters so um just checking out uh i don't don't know i don't remember how to end geek out duke out duke with the duke out i don't know enjoy the music thank you very much